overkill, profusion, excess, surplus, too much, abundance. When it comes to the body of Christ, God is just a big show-off, heaping spiritual gifts on His people in an embarrassment of riches. I'm Laura Pace. And I'm Jessica Denny. You're listening to Embarrassment of Riches, where we explore the wisdom, passion, power, and grace that God has showered on the women of Dallas Bible. Hello, and welcome back to Embarrassment of Riches. How are you doing, Laura? I am well. I'm glad to be back. Me too. Well, today, the long-awaited Enneagram episode is happening. Yes. um, I'm not sure who has been waiting for it for a long time, but we'll just assume that there are some people out there who have been. Well, um, Kyle just told us that um, we have had 3,000 downloads for this podcast, which is far more than we imagined, and apparently we're huge in Canada. So I'm guessing it's the Canadians. It must be. We're the, the Canadians we're are big up there. The, the, the Canadians have been long awaiting uh, our podcast on the Enneagram. Hello, all you Canadians. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> so um, for those of you who are not familiar with the Enneagram, the Enneagram is a ancient personality typology that is different from other thing other typologies like say Myers-Briggs in that it doesn't just describe the outward behavior of a person but the inner motivations and inner fears of nine unique types and I I find that extremely useful because while when I take a Myers-Briggs and I read my Myers-Briggs type, I'm like, yep, 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 that sounds like me. It doesn't give me a whole lot of, it's just information. It's nothing, there's nothing to do there. Whereas I feel like the Enneagram, when you start to understand your motivations and you start to understand your fears, you are not trapped in your personality any longer. I, th- I think so, and I think that what you and I have appreciated about our Enneagram journey is it does prompt a little bit more self-reflection, self-understanding, and, and I guess grasping those inner motivations. Right. I, I just this morning had a conversation with Annie, who's a type nine, which is the peacemaker, and Kyle, my husband, is also a type nine, the peacemaker. And one of one of the examples that I often use with people when I talk about how the Enneagram has like changed my relationships is that nines have a hard time saying no, and not in the same way that sevens have a hard time saying no. I'm a seven, the enthusiast. I have a hard time saying no to fun experiences. I say yes to everything. I want to do everything. I'm excited about everything. So in that sense, I have a hard time saying no. Nines don't want to disappoint people. They don't want to rock the boat. So if you have an expectation of them, they feel inclined to meet it. So they might half tell you no, but it might sound like yes. Mm -hmm. It can be confusing. It can be confusing if you're not aware 
And so uh, many times in my marriage, I have had like conversations with Kyle where he is thinking no, but he's saying some form of yes, maybe. (laughs) I just don't want the conflict, but I also don't want to do the thing you are proposing. Exactly. And um, so I think with us, once I realized that how often like Kyle kind of is telling me no, but I'm not hearing the no, but somewhere deep in my pit, I knew this is not yes. Mm. That I started started paying attention to like, hey, follow up. Like, do they actually, do, are they meaning no and just having a hard time saying mm-hmm. it to my face? And I think that that's when nines, in a good, healthy relationship, and when the nine is healthy, they can say no. Um, but I think there has to be a pretty high level of safety. Right. And I think you've supported the nines in your life by saying, bottom line me, be honest, it's okay. What do you want to do? Oh, yeah. But that's not before I've purchased plane tickets for a time that Kyle didn't want when it was very clear that he didn't want it, but was um, not saying no to me. (laughs) You have also, this is not me making fun of you. You have also described yourself as when there's something you want and you're trying to convince others, the experience can be a little bit like being pecked to death by chickens. Yes, because you just keep going for it and going for it, which is wonderful about you. But it can also make a nine or a two who struggles with guilt say, yes, let's do that thing. Yes. Right. And I think that part of that, I, I think I actually heard that description on an Enneagram podcast mm-hmm. about sevens. It Basically, if, if, if sevens think that you have the power to make what they want to happen happen, they they start pecking they start pecking and they'll just keep going because they'll that by sheer will and enthusiasm they'll convince you to do whatever it is that mm-hmm. they want you to do so yes I think there's sometimes that has been in our marriage a friction point because I can certainly out persist Kyle mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> well we kind of jumped right in there yeah um, that, that was just an example of like this is this is this is why I think it's changed. There's something to do with that information. I know that I'm like that. I know that he's like that. So that makes me go, hey, I don't need to do that. I need to support this. This person is trying to tell me no. Mm -hmm. Now I know that. Now that I know that, I'm not free to just blow ahead and pretend like they said yes. Right. And and knowing, knowing a little bit about the Enneagram like I do, I would not say I am an expert by any means. But knowing what I do know, knowing... Um, what I know about the types of the people that the people are around me mm-hmm. um, is is helpful in knowing how to communicate with that person, um, what does motivate them, what could potentially be a source of, of hurt or wounding. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking specifically about my husband and, and his type and just thinking, like, how I – give him feedback, constructive criticism, um, has changed knowing the Enneagram, even though he is not the biggest fan of the Enneagram. Nor is Kyle Denny, but there's, there doesn't seem to be any reason. I think we might bear some of the responsibility. Because we've talked about it a lot. Yes. I know, but I mean, part of that is like, I'm trying to peck him to death. Mm -hmm. Because you're excited about it. I'm excited about it. And I want him to, um... I want him to kind of get on board so that mm. 
it's, it's a it's an opportunity for growth. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's let's go through the types, um, Laura, just to like a brief description of them. Um, a great reference book that's like pop level, easy to read, and the one that's like kind of got this. The Enneagram's been around for like a thousand years, but the thing that's got this going recently is the book The Road Back to You, which I think was published like maybe in 2018 or 2017. So what you want to... I was just thinking it was older than that, but that... What, The the Road Back to You? Mm -hmm. I think it was published in 2017 or 18, but I'm not 100% sure. I'll look because I have the book right in front of me, but not my glasses. All right, Laura, why don't you start with ones? So I um, I think the, the kind of format that I would like to do in talking about it is what the study guide that went to the road back to you had us do when we did a little um, Enneagram study group. Um, and it's kind of like describing it, talking about maybe strengths and growth areas, and then um, something that's kind of hard about living on the other side of that number and something that's wonderful about living on the other side of that number. What you can't see is my is my sheer terror that just popped up in my eyes because I'm like, okay, I think that's a great idea. I wish I had my notebook in here where I've like written all that stuff down. But I think we can wing we it. We can go off the cuff. Okay, yeah. and go. Um, so one in The Road Back to You is called the perfectionist that's right and on the enneagram institute it is called the reformer the description like one sentence description is ethical dedicated and reliable they are motivated by a desire to live the right way improve the world and avoid fault and blame and on the enneagram institute website it says um, the rational idealistic type principled purposeful self-controlled and perfectionistic and I think that from the ones that I personally know, that is true. And the ones I personally know are my husband and my oldest daughter. And I, so, so what would you, you say are the descri- the distinguishing qualities of ones? Well, I think than- that, I, th- I, I, I mean, I think that perfectionistic, the, the wanting to do things the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, what I love about ones, I have... I'm I'm more of a get her done kind of girl. Mm-hmm. Um, when I am working on projects, I have the energy to get a project done, but I can definitely blow past details. So I always appreciate ones because they um, make sure they're my quality control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> without without ones a seven uh can have some quality control problems because done is done to me mm-hmm. so i appreciate their ability to kind of push me to bring bring up bring up the quality of my work yeah and th- i would say that that is definitely true of the ones i know i think they want to they want to do it they want to do it well um I think ultimately they would love if they could do it perfectly, which is also kind of the downside is that is impossible. Mm -hmm. And I think that knowledge, that awareness that it can't be perfect, that something cannot be perfect can be crippling. Um, I know that we've had projects started in our home that 
can't go don't go perfectly and it takes a long time to for, for things to get circled back onto um but they do ultimately get done we need more of jessica denny energy of like let's just get this done um and we don't know i don't always have that because i'm like i just want someone else to do it and you feel like maybe sometimes kaylin as a one gets paralyzed in that i don't know how to do this perfectly so then it just kind of halts yes i'm building this beautiful table um this beautiful dining room table these pieces of wood aren't lining up exactly right like I thought they would. I've sanded them and all the things that I don't even know what I'm talking about right now. But um, And they're still not lining up, so I'm going to leave it sitting in the garage for approximately nine months and not circle back to it because I am frustrated. That sounds like a pile of decomposed granite that sat in my carport for low those nine months. Mm-hmm. I, I, but that... That wasn't from perfectionism. We can get to that later. Okay, we will. (laughs) When we hit the nines, we'll talk about the decomposed granite. But what's so lovely is when he, when he does stuff, um, when my oldest does stuff, they do it so well and they do it with integrity and they want to do, I was just writing something recently that kind of involved me writing about Kaylin and the word that kept coming to my mind was just good. Mm -hmm. And, um, and steady. And I think that is true of healthy ones that, that they want to be good. They want to do it right. And they're steady in that. Like there's never a different version of Kaylin that I see. Sure. Well, I know we're not supposed to have favorites on the Enneagram, but we're, we're about to hit one of my favorite Enneagram numbers. Kristen Botts, I'm looking at you. And Laura Pace, I'm looking at you. Mm-hmm. The the two, number two. Yes. So what do they call it in the road back to you? The helper. And they also call it that on the uh, Enneagram Institute. And they're described as warm, caring, and giving. They are motivated by a need to be loved and needed and to avoid acknowledging their own needs. And uh, caring, the caring interpersonal type, demonstrative, generous, people-pleasing, and possessive. Well, so I'm joking. um, Well, I'm not joking that I do love twos. They, they, I, they're not my favorite number because I don't have a favorite number. Mm -hmm. But I'm joking because Kristen Botts, I feel like wrongly heard me say that twos bug me or that twos are my least favorite number or something. Did she wrongly hear that? I don't know what the words were, but I don't feel like that was. What that was not what I meant. Mm-hmm. What I meant was sometimes twos can be very difficult for me um, because they you don't always trust them. I don't always trust twos, and not because it, it's because I because a lot of times this is the hard part of twos because they have a hard time expressing and acknowledging that they have needs. They sometimes get their needs met in less direct ways so it can feel like manipulation where it's like hey just tell me what you want and then we can say yes or no and have an honest conversation Mm -hmm. about it so I think that sometimes has been hard for me and the more I know about the Enneagram when I'm like oh this is just really difficult for them because they get a lot of they get a lot of their self-worth out of knowing that other people need them they don't like to feel beholden to anybody else and so that's that's why they don't 
they, they're less direct. Mm-hmm. And so once I figured that out, um, I don't, I, I don't have to assign uh, negative motives to their indirect ways. Yeah. I think that all, all of that is true. Um, I think, of course, there are healthier versions sure. of that. Um, but reading when I was reading that, I really did not like sitting with that manipulative piece. Mm-hmm. Um, but Laura is a two. I am a two. And um, I did not like that. I do not want to think of myself as manipulative or manipulation existing in my people pleasing ways um which if you've met me I'm sure you've felt pleased I have felt pleased <laughs> I am kidding I am I don't think I always present as a people pleaser but if you knew what was going on under the surface um so yeah I mean I think that's true and I think that um when you are in tune with other people like you are you can sense the confusion or the manipulation that feels like it's happening. Yeah. And I would say one of the things I would say my experience with twos, um, there, I have, I have had a two in my life that was probably extremely unhealthy. My experience with other twos is not like that. I would never describe you as manipulative. I'm not saying that there's never any manipulation involved in you. I I mean, you might know that more than I, but I've never felt that way with you. I, with you, I have sometimes felt like you, I mean, you certainly do not express your own personal needs and like to bring Laura dinner, you would have to ambush her because she would never admit like, hey, can I bring you dinner this week? Like, it seems like y'all are having a hard time. Laura would never accept that openly. Laura would always push that off. Mm-hmm. Would not it, like Laura. Does, Laura has a hard time allowing other people to serve her. She is very good at serving other people. I think the first part of that is true. I think the serving other people sometimes I come up short. No, but, <laughs> but I've I had think, multiple. I've had multiple surprise, like baby showers. Um, multiple because people wanted to celebrate that life and I I couldn't receive the and one of the, the things help. as a a gentle criticism of twos mm-hmm. is that you rob other people the opportunity of loving you mm-hmm. like you love them because one of the things I appreciate about twos which is a shortcoming in sevens is that Laura is never unwilling to listen to somebody else she's never like I never feel like I'm burdening Laura when I have a problem when I'm having a hard time I Laura always welcomes that conversation um and I don't ever feel like I'm burdening her with that or my gosh she's sick of me talking about it and she's sick of me talking about me because that's my favorite topic sometimes (laughs) you know (laughs) she doesn't she she never makes you feel that way but that gentle criticism is the people that love you twos want to what they want to give back to you as an expression of their love. And so when you kind of deny your own needs, you rob other people of an, uh, their ability to express their love to you. Sure. I mean, I, I would totally agree with that. And I think that it can um, make it diff- difficult to establish trust in that relationship when it doesn't feel like there's a mutual sharing going on. Right. Um, and yeah, I think twos can be, I mean, I have twos in my life also that it's, they're hard to celebrate. Um, they probably, I think 
one of my daughters is a two and she gets her feelings hurt very easily. This Micah is mm-hmm. a, a baby, yeah, my she gets her okay. feelings hurt really easily. But then I think everyone's like, we didn't even know that you wanted to do that thing. Like we didn't even know that you needed that, but your feelings are hurt. So, um, because they have unspoken expectations. That's right. That's exactly right. But the good side is Micah, you will never enter a room without Micah celebrating you. Like, I'll be, I will go outside and do something and come back in and she'll be like, mommy, and, you know, hug and celebrate and be so glad that you're there. And um, so I think that's a plus of a two. Um, but that brings us to three, which I'm going to let you take the lead on this because I feel like this is one of my numbers that I am a little weaker on. Um, I, 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 I know threes. I've learned a little bit about it, but I don't feel like there's any threes um, – in my family that have probably selfish, like prompt, not prompted my selfishness in like doing a little bit more research on it. Well, the three, according to the, uh, road back to you is the performer success oriented image conscious and wired for productivity. They are motivated by a need to be or appear to be successful and to avoid failure. And it's similar on the Enneagram Institute. Um, they call them the achiever. The success-oriented, pragmatic type, adaptive, excelling, driven, and image-conscious. Yes. So I would say I think I think to me, twos, threes, and fours. While on the heart triad, mm-hmm. okay, which we we're not going to go into all of that, but like they're they're all two, threes, and fours are all concerned about image. Mm-hmm. They're concerned about image in different ways. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't love that, but it's true. Okay, right. So a two is like wants to, wants to appear helpful. They want to appear kind. Mm-hmm. Like the, um, they care about you receiving them that way. Mm-hmm. A three wants to appear successful, and it's very important to them that you see them that way. A four wants to appear special. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So so to me, there's a lot of similarities of of those three types. Or you know. Not necessarily in behavior, but like in, in motivation. the motivation, I can mm-hmm. see like similar motivation. But with threes, um, it's this this wanting to be successful and are or the best at something. I think so. I think threes are kind of hard because I think a lot of times the last thing a person that is that wants to appear successful wants to admit is that they have deep insecurity. Mm hmm. Yeah, but that's that's there. Now, what sort? I don't have a ton of threes in my life, but I used to think that my oldest child was a one, until I realized that <laughs> she is less concerned about right and wrong, mm-hmm. and more concerned about appearing good. Mm-hmm. So, it's, although you have also made the point that. Her age demographic is certainly at their most three-ish stage. Oh, sure. Right now, like, like almost that everyone, middle school, ev- seventh, almost eighth everyone grade. in middle school cares a lot about image. Mm-hmm. But I think um, for my, it's it's just it's interesting. Like we were sort of joking about, um, we were joking last week when we talked about. Lydia perhaps did not complete seventh grade. 
um, and you're like, oh, I think she did. She, Lydia is very responsible. She is like success oriented. It's very imp- the child has made straight A's her whole life. Like mm-hmm. she works hard, but um, she she like a one would absolutely do every every bit of the workouts that they were supposed to do for physical education. Um, I'm not sure that that happened (laughs) on our end Mm -hmm. because, yeah, like cutting corners is okay with a three. As As long long as as the coach thinks I did it. As long as the coach thinks I did it, that's enough. Mm -hmm. Whereas a one, they would like eat themselves alive for that. Right. Yeah. And so what do you think um, would be is hard as far as living on the other side of a three? Well, I think that um, I think it's the same thing that's hard with like two sometimes, but for a different angle, the the, the three is not out in the open about what's going on under the surface. So a lot of times you don't know the three's vulnerability. You don't Mm -hmm. know the three's pain um, because there's they they want to appear together. I'm using Uh air quotes like they've got their life together. So you kind of don't feel like you're getting to know the real person as much as the image they want to project. Exactly. And so I think sometimes that makes it harder to have empathy for that person Mm -hmm. and it can make it while they're glad handers and, you know, great, like, you know, like smiley and, and charming. Mm -hmm. I, I think it makes it harder to know them on a deeper level because I think, where intimacy happens is being when the image to, is shed when the image is shed exactly and so i think that more than any other type the three has a hard time shedding the image mm-hmm. yeah i could see that and i think the upside is um typically and this is none of these mean that yes, this is you're how not these numbers it, yes. manifest themselves for everyone um but i think there's a high level of of energy and, um, and there is a, there is an awareness of others. Like I think that threes can be really engaging. Um, and it's not necessarily just because like you're a stepping stone to making them look the way they want to look. Um, and I think that they have high expectations for themselves and they're aware of, um, like the possibilities life has to offer. And I think that can feel, um, life-giving to be around oh sure I feel encouraged and motivated by threes oh yeah and I mean I think they bring energy they're one of the Mm -hmm. assertive types they bring energy and and a competitiveness that that also kind of produces quality like Mm -hmm. like a one but for different reasons Um, right I always say that um, teasing is my love language and um, I know some people I heard a I heard someone once say, like, stop saying sarcasm is your love language. It's just mean. And I was like, oh, I think I've actually said that sentence before. But teasing really is my love language. Being te- When someone teases me well and we can laugh together about that or I can tease someone well and they receive it in love, it really is, like, my favorite. It gives life to me. And um, three, I, I feel like threes are always good at that kind of banter. Oh, yeah. And I, and I think threes um, – Sometimes they call them like the chameleons, like of the Enneagram, because threes are very adaptable. So 
threes are very good at reading social situations and adapting their behavior to kind of fit in. And so while that can, you know, you can kind of go, is that real or whatever? Mm-hmm. Maybe sometimes not, but also sometimes that's a skill that's a very useful skill because it also can make people feel at ease. Mm-hmm. So threes are very good at making people feel at ease of all different social stratuses because they can fit in, they can read a room mm-hmm. And adapt to kind of the environment that they're mm-hmm. in. Help people drop their guard a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though their guard isn't dropped. They, right, right, They are right. helping. No, they're on. They're on, mm-hmm. but they are helping other people kind yeah. of And since I'm a two, I can, I can somewhat identify with both the one wing and, and like we said, we're not going that deep into it. Yes. And the three wing. Yes. At times in my life. Um, now... I also, I said that I didn't have anybody in my family that was a three. I think I have a three, possible four in Campbell. Um, so. Do you think her more three than four? Well, hearing you talk about it, I can certainly see some of that stuff, like her ability to read a, a, a social situation. Sure. But she also. She has the big feels, though. She like has Lydia, the big Lydia, feels. Lydia hides, like, because wouldn't you say Lydia keeps it close to the vest? I would, if, if someone said, how do you think Lydia feels? I would say, I, the, I don't know, the same as she always feels. Like, she just presents. Right, she's stable. Steady. Well, and that's yeah. Kalen. If yeah. somebody said, we tease that Kalen's dead inside. Um, he <laughs> is not. He has feelings. But if somebody, no one would ever really know how Kalen is feeling. Right. So I think that's a one thing. So four, I'll read Enneagram Institute first. Um is the individualist, according to the Enneagram Institute, the sensitive, withdrawn type, expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed, and temperamental, which those can feel like big things, um, but, you know. And this is the romantic here. What did mm-hmm. they What do they say there? The individualist. The individualist. Okay, the romantic, creative, sensitive, and moody. They are motivated by a need to be understood, experience their oversized feelings, and avoid being ordinary. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to make this all about my family, but just let well, me talk. I mean, I think we need. I mean, it's right. good to have specific examples, real life examples. Like, like well, and this and, and, and kids, we do hit on a lot because you have so many children. There are so many of them. There are so many. So, so many. Um, but, you know, it, it, it is. It's, we, we have some personal experience with almost mm-hmm. all of the numbers. Mm-hmm. And I think it's good to know what – it's good to know your kids. I know that's profound. Um, it's good to know your kids, what motivates them. And I think, it, for me, it helps parent them when I know this is just kind of part of their natural personality. Sure. So with Campbell, I uh, the, her little class on the last day of school got to have a, a – socially distanced class picture because her teacher always does a first day of school class picture and a last day of school class picture and um and watching Campbell interact with her peer group I was like oh you're such a four because I think sometimes of course I think she's valuable and I of course I think she's so important but sometimes I think she can moderately inflate her own importance in a social, a so wow, a social situation. Um, and I think that comes from her doubt of her own personal significance there. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I just want to be like, honey, you are so funny and so kind and like so smart, 
just go and engage with these people instead of like walking around like sassy pants, seeing who's looking at you to like try to prove that you matter in your own mind. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things that for me, the, the, the thing I really appreciate about fours, did I say what I appreciated about Mm -hmm. threes? Oh, I don't know. I, well, I think I did. Yes, yeah, we yeah, talked. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we talked about like the their ability and yeah. and ability mm-hmm. to make other people feel comfortable. I just didn't want to like three bash or right. two bash and not say mm-hmm. the thing we love about them. Mm-hmm. But um, not that I was ever trying to bash on any of them. Just like what Except makes for it. twos, like you do. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but uh, with what I love about fours is their deep appreciation for beauty. Mm-hmm. And I think that they open up all of our eyes to see what is beautiful, to see what is painful, to mm-hmm. see like they, like like just to deepen all of our emotions. But I think their appreciation for beauty uh, that you know these are the artists. These mm-hmm. not not that all artists are a four or whatever, but like uh, they have tend to be like artistic mm-hmm. and you know musicians and and. Mm-hmm. They, I think they have an ability to kind of engage you into what is beautiful because they naturally see it. Yes. And that's, I mean, she, Campbell regularly, I mean, like weekly for sure, sometimes daily, um, creates a centerpiece just to make the table a little bit prettier. And I, of course, would never think about that. I'm like, let's just put napkins in the middle. Um, so, yes, I think that they they see that that fullness and um and I think while sometimes they tend to doubt their own personal significance um and and kind of struggle to find that identity things like that like doing a centerpiece they see the significance of the meal or sharing time together mm-hmm. yeah um and then obviously it's, it's sometimes the, what would be difficult is as a person for me as a person that likes to be happy and dwell on the positive fours cannot always shake it off like mm. they, they they cannot they they, they cannot, can ruminate a little bit they can ruminate they can't always meet that where threes meet where the room is a mm-hmm. four cannot do that right they but I, I think that feeling. can also be a strength for sure like we talked about in the last it's episode. honest it is it's very emotionally honest um and I think they sit in their feelings, whether that's sad or depressed or feeling happy and and easygoing. You know, right. whatever it is in, in that moment, they're they're gonna let themselves feel it. Yes. Okay, now we come to Laura's easiest number. The five. I'm gonna be a little quieter on this one because I really don't know it very well, well. that f- that fits well because what they're they're called the investigator but what i call them is the unknowable five okay hmm. um because these are analytical detached and private people they are motivated by a need to gain knowledge conserve energy and avoid relying on others now what's so interesting to me laura is that my dad is a five hmm. and when it, I, I, I would not have guessed it, but then also we've had, we've had guests on, on the, on the podcast that were fives. I would not have guessed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of it is because they keep it close to the vest, but not like a three, 
like in a, that they are so private, Mm -hmm. that they are so quiet. Like a three is not going to be quiet. A three is friendly, like an outgoing and assertive, uh, but a five is so introverted. And so a lot of times you don't know what's going on in their, in their brain. And so when, when I, we were on like a long road trip with my dad and I was like reading the book to him and like, in the book, there's like kind of a checklist of like what it's like to be a five or what it's like to be whatever number. And I'm reading this stuff off to my dad and he's like, yes, yes, yes. And I keep looking at him like, really? You think Do you that? know yourself at all? <laughs> yeah. And I'm, that's kind of what I was like, do you know yourself at all? But of course, the more I got to know the Enneagram, the more I got to know it, I'm like, oh, that is, you know, those are his, it's his, his motivations. That is what's going on. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So I think that it's just, it's hard to see what's what's beneath the surface with them. Well, in the Enneagram Institute, they're also called the investigator. And it te- says the intense cerebral type, perceptive, innovative, secretive, and isolated. Also, and it's that perceptive piece. I, I also think that fives um, can be very discerning mm-hmm. and, and can kind of sense the the, the pulse of the room, um, they, they, they can, and I say pick things apart just because I can't think of a better term, but dissect, they can dissect things really well and, and, and have a perspective that I would never have. And, and like, it's probably a good perspective. Sure. Um, so I think maybe I've brought up a couple of times on the podcast that my dad, um, this also should have been a tip off that he was a five that my dad was an intelligence officer in the military, the mastermind behind Operation Secret Squirrel. Uh-huh. Operation Secret Squirrel. Yeah. So anyway, all that to say, all of those things, coupled with um, the post-it notes of points of business that he had with me as a child, like he would post, he would put a post-it note on my door with five points of business that we needed to discuss. Um, he also had like a system where he would put like financial planning articles into my top left hand drawer and I was to put them in my top right hand drawer when I had read them that way he would know that we were I had read them and we were able to discuss them oh my goodness I'm understanding so much more about you now yes so um so anyway that um it should have been a tip off that my that this this shouldn't have been shocking but I think again fives it's kind of hard to know what's going on Mm -hmm. even though there's some, there's they some feel, clear signs. They sometimes signs. feel unknowable. Yes. But I think at the same time, they can be very steady. Oh, yes. And and that there's an inner... There's... I, that's, I mean, I guess that's what I would call it. An inner steadiness. A um, ability to sit with themselves... Mm-hmm. And you know, it, on the Enneagram Institute, I just looked down and saw um, it outlines every type's basic fear and basic desire. And one of the basic fears they note is that um, of feeling helpless mm-hmm. and wanting to be self sufficient, prepared, and helpful. And I think for the few fives that I know, I get that sense when I'm with them. Oh, yeah. And you know, one of the things, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast, but my dad um, has never arrived at my house without bearing a gift. Aww. But the gift is often toilet paper. 
okay, that cereal be the best oh, gift right now ever. It's, right, yeah, exactly. But it, it is sort of funny that like that I've always that part of the reason why I'm as practical as I am is because of my dad. But there is something so sweet about my dad showing up with these gifts of love. When the kids were little, he never came without a giant box of diapers. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, like he, he has asked Kyle. He's never arrived at our house without bringing us something. But it's almost always something practical, mm-hmm. and it does. It comes from that place of like they've felt helpless. They've felt like they wouldn't have enough. They, they, they can be the hoarders of the internet. But for people they love, they, they come bearing gifts. The gifts are practical. Mm-hmm. And the other side of that is sometimes they can feel a little bit overwhelmed when their privacy is invaded by, say, a trick-or-treater who says, <laughs> I'm friends with your daughter. Can we come in and use the bathroom when he's just trying to hand out candy? Yes. <laughs> well, it's sort of cute. My dad likes to be around people, but sometimes he just wants to observe. So my dad, we have him here all the time. When we have people over, he might not talk to the people, but he likes to be in the room. Mm-hmm. so yeah, it does anyway okay so the five now let's move on to the six which is called the loyalist not the worrier yes i feel like the loyalist has a more positive spin sure although they can worry and on the enneagram institute they are called the loyalist also the committed security oriented type engaging responsible anxious and suspicious they say on in road back to you committed practical and witty they are worst case scenario thinkers who are motivated by fear and the need for security. Uh, I don't know why we were talking about it before this. Oh, I guess we were just talking about we were going to talk about the Enneagram. But I was telling Laura about my friend who is a six. That um, Part of the reason why I know that well, part of the reason why I know that she's a six is because I accidentally sent her a voice text um, talking negatively about her child. Y'all, this is a true story. I just want everyone to sit in that for a moment. Jessica Denny accidentally recorded herself saying some unfortunate things. Less than flattering things about her child that... And sent it. I I was yes it was it's maybe one of the single most horrifying things that's ever happened to me I was talking to my husband about a situation that had happened and I mean surely any of you who have children and then have had children bump up with another child have you know had you know that's where I have my biggest you were venting just in the privacy of your home venting in the privacy of my home but what ended up happening was I recorded my venting and then sent it as a voice text to my friend. That makes my Tunis go into a mental fetal position and rock back and forth. It it was horrific. And that person, because she's a six and a gracious human being, and I had already proven over a long period of time that I love her deeply and I am one of her people and she is one of mine. She was able to forgive me. She is still my dear friend. Um, And I mean, we were able to weather that because they are loyal. They Mm -hmm. like, 
Yeah, and you've been you've received that that. Oh yes. Place. Well, and I think even what we would identify jokingly as the worrier, the worrying um, has has certainly shined light on certain situations that I would not have thought about. I would not have been prepared for. Um, so I, I, I mean, I think that that can cause some anxiety within them, but I, like, I think people have been able to benefit from that perspective of, oh yeah, that is a scenario that could occur that we should be prepared for or think through. So Laura, do you feel like there are certain numbers on the Enneagram that are easier for you? Uh, I would say, you know, it just really depends on, that's where the behavior comes into play more than their motivation. Sure. Um, it just depends on this, the shade how it of- presents. And, you know, I think both the road back to you and the Enneagram Institute website break down the numbers from healthy to moderate and unhealthy. Sure. So it just depends on right. where and you a are. Healthy, a healthy any number is going to be easier than an unhealthy any number. Right. But I, I think what I was, what I was stabbing at was it's, I'm struggling to come up with something that's difficult for me about sixes, because mm. I would say for me, sixes and nines are the easiest like they just I, like, easiest for other people probably harder hardest for themselves internally sure and maybe not with sixes they may I, I don't know if other people feel that way about sixes because for me it might be that I understand sixes well mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> being especially being with your low-grade panic yeah being an adjacent number I I understand sixes well and while I understand eights well um they they don't let you ignore them so uh you, you know you know mm-hmm. uh I there's something but like when I look at my like super close friends um I have an extraordinary amount of sixes that are in my close inner circle and an extraordinary amount of nines in fact I would say like yeah I mean more than more than average mm-hmm I think I don't know that any of two of my friends have the exact same number. Really? <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Friends. I just tend to I tend to collect sixes and nines. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I think that sixes are hardest on themselves with internal anxiety and worry. Um, I, I if I had to pick something that was hard, that was hard. Um, sometimes, I think sixes can lean on the needy side. Um, like as far as like, tell me it's going to be okay. I'm really scared that you're going to leave or this is going to go south. And instead of like, can we just have fun and not worry about that thing happening? Or can you just be in this moment instead of in your head about worst case scenario? So I don't think that's always, I don't think that's across the board, but if I had to pick something, that would be it. I see. Um, yeah, I could, I could see that. And I think maybe just maybe because seven is, again, we're not talking about like all these triads and stuff, but seven and six share mm-hmm. like fear as like they're part of the fear triad. Mm-hmm. So are fives. Um, there's something about their fears that even though sevens are like flippant and letting their kids, you know, ride 1984 style with the seats folded down in the minivan on a long car trip because nothing bad can happen. Mm-hmm. Sevens do have deep fear. They just ignore it. Mm-hmm. But we, we, but I, when I, I see the fear and I understand it. And so it doesn't irritate me as much as it might in other 
mm-hmm. you know. Well, tell me what sevens are called in The Road Back to You. Well, the sevens are called the enthusiasts. They are fun, spontaneous, and adventurous. They are motivated by a need to be happy, to plan stimulating experiences, and to avoid pain. Which this is interesting because I am not sure that one of these adjectives would really describe you, but it's called the enthusiast in the Enneagram Institute website. And it says the busy, fun-loving type, spontaneous, versatile, distractible, and scattered what do you think does not describe me? Scattered. Scattered. Unless it, well, maybe mentally scattered sometimes, but like as far as task oriented, I think you can be very focused. I can. Um, we could probably say that that is me going five because like sevens go to five in health. Mm. So, so that's when they can kind of like, uh, anchor down a little mm. bit, but I, yes, I would say, I don't think, I don't necessarily think of myself as scattered all the time because I am a very good planner and organizer, mm. but mentally scattered. Yeah. Is my brain all over the place? Is it spinning? Do I have, you know, like there's a lot going on up there mm-hmm. and it's can be all over the place. Um, so tell me, about being a seven that I I mean (laughs) well I talk about that a lot I mean I don't I for me uh how I discovered I was seven I I was going back and forth it was it's sort of funny because I was like maybe I'm a seven maybe I'm an eight I don't know that most of my close friends thought I was an eight I think I certainly did not so whenever I was in that you like handed me the book like read this does this not sound like me? And I was like, it does not sound like you. It's <laughs> not at all. <laughs> and then when you said seven, I was like, oh no, yeah, that piece fits. Yes. So I don't, I think, I think there's probably different settings where I, I can, I can feel that way. But with, with how I really got to the place where I figured out that I was a seven was listening to the Road Back to You podcast. Mm-hmm. And they had interviewed this woman and she was kind of describing she was kind of describing herself and she was talking about how when she was a kid her mom always used to say Lillian is like a cat you can throw her anyway and she'll land on her feet mm. and uh, the the woman was saying and and while that's true um, the cat doesn't like to be thrown and <laughs> Right. And you can, she'll land on her feet and she'll be okay, but she'll never come back to you. Like she's, Mm -hmm. she's not, you know, she's learned her lesson. She's learned her lesson. And, um, I was walking the dog and I just started crying because I started thinking about, um, so sevens, like sevens are generally loved Mm -hmm. for being fun. Mm-hmm. and funny and people enjoy their bubbly optimistic fun side but what that what happens is that the seven start to believe that's why they're loved not mm-hmm. just something that people enjoy about them and so they don't feel the freedom to not be fun or funny or fine 
Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> like it's their job to be fine. You can feel trapped in your funness. Yes. And so what happens is that you and I and I think this is that's actually true for all of the types and, and what what they talk about is like person personality is really like a mask that we wear, you know. Mm-hmm. And um and so and it's a mask that we wear but we we even hide it like we are hiding our true self from ourselves mm-hmm. almost. But what what I was thinking about when I was why I burst into tears was I was thinking about the hard times that I had had and how so few people noticed. Mm. So, you know, that situation that I had in my family, my extended family about five years ago, that was so devastating. Almost everyone that was close to me, and even people that were more like acquaintance level neighbors, knew about what happened because I'm I, I'm not very good at hiding things, so mm. I will tell. But because of the way that I tell, mm-hmm. I seem so fine mm-hmm. that it doesn't occur to people that I am actually hurting. Even though if you heard that story, it's like, of course, of course I'm, you're hurting. Of, cr- mm-hmm. of course I'm hurting. But to the average observer, it's like, oh, she's okay. Mm-hmm. And so it's it was sort of funny to me. I started thinking about, and this is not to like say that people are not good or whatever. This is just to go this is where sevens fail. It's not that sevens won't accept help. It's that sevens don't want you to think they're not fine because they don't want to believe that they're not fine. They're trying to lie to themselves about mm-hmm. being fine too. Um, but I thought about when Hank was born, I had eight weeks of meals, eight weeks of people in my life that loved me, mm. bringing me meals three days a week for eight weeks. That's incredible. Do you know how many meals were brought to me when that happened with my extended family? I'm going to guess not eight weeks worth. Zero. Mm. And again, not because I, not like people are terrible. It's just that like people, I have people that care about me, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't occurring to the people around me that like, I am not okay. Like I am not fine. Mm -hmm. I am barely making it. I am staring at walls. I'm having daily panic mm-hmm. and people. Yeah. Be, because you're fun. Sometimes I think as a seven, you can, you can sense that people just want you to be that. Yes. And that that's why they're your friend. So you can start feeling alone in your pain. Yes. And like, it's not safe for me to, it'll change the nature of the friendship. People they won't, won't want, want to be to around me. That. And the dead last thing I want to happen is for people to not want to be around me. Mm-hmm. And right. so it makes you feel like trapped, which is one of the things that, Kristen Botts, I'm looking at you. Uh, one of the things that I love about twos is like it's my twos friends and my nines that were the people that like felt safest then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the twos... The twos were the ones that were like showing up. Mm-hmm. The nines were the ones that were showing up in mm-hmm. a way that they, I think they, because they tend to be more caring and sensitive types, noticed that like, hey, there's no way she's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that you let, you letting people be there for you 
is why you were able to get through that. Like you didn't do what a two might do and say, no, I'm going to be alone in my pain on purpose. Mm. Well, I, I, yes and no. I mean, like I said, I don't, I, that during that time, no, I don't, I don't think that was true. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, I don't think I let, I, I don't, I don't think I, I don't think I had anybody in my daily life at that time that was pushing in, that was pushing in. Mm -hmm. Those were more extended friends, yeah. like friends from long ago, like okay. friends that don't are not local. So no, I, I definitely felt very alone in that pain, but yeah, it, it, it but all that to say that was, that was what I, it was for me was like listening to that. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh yeah. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's it. And it, and it wasn't, it, what's funny is that it's like, I had that epiphany. It's not like I ever, when I was experiencing that deep level of pain, I was never like, where are my friends? Right, right, right. <laughs> right. I, I wasn't thinking that at all. It's just uh, like, I, I wasn't thinking that at all. What I, it was really gratitude, but it was like, all of a sudden I realized it's because I, they, I appear to be landing on my feet. Mm-hmm. So as far as like what's hard living on the other side or, or being friends with a seven, I had a hard time when we did that study. Oh, bah, ha, ha, ha. Um, I really did. I, um, because enthusiasm is fun. Sevens are fun. Um, sometimes, yes, I, 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 I think maybe to say like, let's slow down for a second and sit with hard feelings would be something. Um, I think you've said you know, I really, it, it's hard for me. What would you say is hard about? Well, I mean, seven? I, I mean, I have to live with myself, but other sevens <laughs> that, you know, is there? I, yeah. I think that sevens have, because of that levity that sevens tend to bring, I think it can be hard for us to not try to cheer people up, mm -hmm. to not try to change the mood of the room to mm -hmm. fun. And so while I think that there's times where people appreciate that, like I remember a friend of mine that I went over to her house after her brother had died and, um, you know, I was going there to be with her, to just sit in a room with her in her grief. And I know that she like butt gusted, laughed multiple times mm -hmm. in like, Mm -hmm. you know, in that conversation. And I think that was part of why she wanted me there mm -hmm. was that she, she has enough history with me to know that I'll meet her in her pain. But she also knows that in a deep time of grief, I can still manage to make her laugh. Mm -hmm. But I also think that sometimes we can, sometimes we're not, sometimes we're making you laugh when we, you don't need to laugh mm -hmm. and we're trying to change the mood and that can be, it can, it can seem like we don't care. It can seem, and this is, this feels hard to say. Do it. Go ahead and say it. I sometimes I it can maybe can feel, feel seem manipulative. Right. I feel but, like you can, and maybe you sometimes it. sevens can seem a little bit shallow maybe self-involved that yes, feels like no, just like it, I want to have my fun dad I want literally this to feel said that better at my wedding rehearsal dinner toast <laughs> he said you were <laughs> self-involved <laughs> <laughs> 
I think self-absorbed. Sounds like a five. I, I think it was self-absorbed, but he but wasn't you said trying you to slam me. You he was not agree. trying to slam me, but yes, uh, yes, mm-hmm. uh, it can be true. Well, and I think sometimes that is when anybody tries to bring somebody out of of grief or hurt or pain is is thinking of their own feelings like I want it to feel lighter I think you should feel better like so I don't know if that's exclusively sevens but that would be probably the hard thing I don't want to say about sevens but could possibly be true now living on the the great side of sevens is you're so fun it's so it's fun it's we laugh um you want the most out of life I mean you want you like celebration I could see you also being like as a kid, like, I'm going to bring a centerpiece and make this, you know, we think we talk about Hank uh, might be a seven and how yes. he loves celebration. And- yeah. Hank, Hank is, Hank is a mystery, uh, you know, but I, but I, I've been joking that it's because he, so they like all the numbers have health numbers. So sevens go to five in health. And so sometimes Hank can have these kind of introverted tendencies even though like he's the kid that when he was three years old was like wearing the birthday hat for like 12 hours with his giant pumpkin head. And it was like cutting off his circulation because it had that like tight elastic under his chin. But it's fun. But it was fun. And he's wearing the hat, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, but he can also kind of have these like sort of quiet contemplative things that don't, that sevens do, but they really have to kind of, actively mm-hmm. try to do that when they're going mm-hmm. going to five but anyway hank when 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 we have people over for the fourth of july one year he had we, we have a pool in our backyard and he had like taped off with like crepe streamers around mm-hmm. our uh patio he had he had t- uh, kind of wrapped the patio with these to have a ribbon cutting ceremony so that when the people came over to swim we would cut the ribbon to start the party while we played the olympic song yeah and he was lighting smoke bombs that sounds very enthusiastic it was very <laughs> enthusiastic so sevens have sevens know how to celebrate sevens know how to make a day special mm-hmm. that okay so let's move to eight and I think in both of ours, is it the Challenger? It is. Okay. So on Enneagram Institute, it's the powerful, dominating type, self-confident, decisive, willful, and confrontational. Yes. So um, on, on uh, Row Back to You, it says commanding, intense, and confrontational. They are motivated by a need to be strong and avoid feeling weak or vulnerable. I think what for me with eights, my, one of my best friends from college is an eight. Um, and what is sort of funny is that I used to say, so eights and sevens are also assertive types. So the, the main assertive types are three, eight, and seven. Um, what was mm-hmm. funny is that I always used to tr- describe Tanya as like, Tanya's like me on steroids. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> like she's a she's like a caricature of me mm-hmm. is what I would say in the in the sense of like and I do think there there is there are some similarities in 7s and 8s of their assertiveness brazenness like in but it's just but it's coming from a different place. Mm-hmm. For me 
it's it's coming from this place of spontaneity and freedom mm-hmm. and fun from from the eights it's just this raw sense of power mm-hmm. like this like they just are a force to be reckoned with mm-hmm. for sure and i think um that in the road back to you it really highlights they want justice um like in all areas it's not necessarily just like a power trip it's they see what they think is is right and good, and they have the confidence to go for it. Oh, sure. So my friend Tanya um, is like she's she's this, this the person that like when they live in Clemson and Clemson was trying to build a power plant behind uh, like behind their house that was like super close eyesore. Like Tanya's like no, mm-hmm. like and in like leading like she's organizing people, she's organizing things. Um, to kind of like get I'm mean, just power that through of like hey this is not going to happen not mm-hmm. in my backyard and she she just has a she has the ability to kind of get people on board and a and, belief in self that my voice will be heard it, exactly and um it, but also so that's but also you know she and her husband have worked in college ministry for years and years and years um she is from the deep, deep South, Winsboro, Louisiana, and they are very active voices for um, like social injustice. Like she, mm-hmm. she and her husband, like that is something that really, really matters to her mm-hmm. in a way that feels very sincere. And I think that's what I would identify as like what feels good to be around an eight is sometimes the things I think and feel, but um, keep inside um, or hesitate to say out loud, they say, and they, they, they go for it and you know where they stand and that feels safe in many ways, um, to like consistently be able to rely on, they're going to speak into this. Sure. Um, and where I might feel the same things and see the same injustice, but think like, Oh, what are people going to think if I say something like, what if people disagree with my opinion? Uh, so I, I really appreciate that about eights. Um, and I think what can be hard is I can sometimes feel intimidated by that. Oh yeah. I mean, I think that I think some, I've done a couple of like Enneagram, like we did it as a like book study for the women's ministry a couple years ago. And then I also did it with like the ladies on my block. I think a lot of what people said with eights was that they felt afraid of them. Mm. And, um, you know, and I think that's because of that intensity. I think they're afraid of the intensity. I think they also sometimes can project their intensity can seem like anger Mm -hmm. and it's not always anger, Mm -hmm. you know? Sure. And then also I think that there are a lot of people that are afraid of brute honesty. And, uh, and so I think that that can be difficult. Now, what's interesting to me, and maybe that's because I'm one of the very assertive types. I was told once I was in the 95th percentile of assertiveness. <laughs> um, <laughs> but as an assertive type, and, a, and an assertive type that's probably been wounded um, by some less assertive types like Mm -hmm. like kind of uh passive aggressiveness like 
I appreciate the honest aggression for like, sure. Well, <laughs> and, and I, I appreciate, appreciate that. I know, I know what you think and I don't have to guess. And so, sure. and because I'm very assertive, you don't scare me. So I really mm-hmm. enjoy eights because I'm not scared of them and I appreciate their honesty. Mm-hmm. There's something really beautiful about like not having to doctor it up, just saying what you think and laying your cards on the table. Well, and I think, and that it's kind of a selfish response in me, like, well, it feels good for me to be around, but I think healthy eights can take it back. So oh, you can have, for sure. you can have a great discourse with them and nobody's getting their feelings hurt. They can take your direct honesty and you can take their direct honesty and, and so I love that back and forth with eights. Once I get past my initial, yeah. I need to present this right. I've got to be so careful with how I say it. And, and, and I can get flustered in those situations. Oh, and I, and I would even say, I think eights often appreciate your honesty. Mm-hmm. Like, and even, even, even if in the moment it wounds, they would rather know what you really think. Mm-hmm than have to guess which I find that really comforting me too um like I can it's liberating it is it is without it versus some of my friends probably other twos that I'm like is this gonna hurt their feelings are they gonna get wounded by my honesty and then also not tell me and tuck it away yeah. but push, also push, harbor push bitterness down deep, <laughs> deep like we do yeah and well it's interesting to me that eights are right next to nine mm-hmm because I would perceive those as the most opposite. I agree in a lot of ways. And it would be, it, it, when, if we ever plumb the depths on this, I think we need to talk about the triads and because it's the similarities between the five, six, seven, the similarities between the two, three, fours, the similarities between the eight eight nine ones Mm -hmm. and that would be really kind of interesting to think about how eights and nines are alike Mm -hmm. because there's got to be some likeness i mean it's anger but um (laughs) we know we know what it is spoiler alert spoiler alert it's anger (laughs) it's your rage it's your rage Mm -hmm. but um yeah but it is you're right i think on on surface level they are opposites Mm -hmm. um so nines are the peacemakers also the sweethearts of the enneagram yes and here it says the easygoing, self-effacing type, receptive, reassuring, agreeable, and complacent. Uh, in uh, Road Back to You, it says pleasant, laid back, and accommodating. They are motivated by a need to keep the peace, merge with others, and avoid conflict. Um, I have literally said this statement today in conversation or, uh, earlier, but I say it all the time to my husband. Uh, so... Kyle is a nine and our friend Annie is a nine. And uh, I always tell Kyle, you're the Annie Mooney of men. Mm-hmm. And I, and then this morning I told Annie, you're the Kyle Denny of women. Yes. <laughs> which um, there could be a scenario in which a nine is saying, I was staring daggers at them. I was so mad. And you might respond, you're staring daggers probably looked like a pleasant half smile (laughs) yes exactly so I I, so nines have like kind of pent-up feelings but they have a tendency in their they have a tendency to uh, understate what they're actually feeling Mm -hmm. yes and I think that um would you say that that's rooted in in self-doubt in wanting to avoid conflict 
or just minimizing their own personal needs. Oh, do you not think it's all three of those? I do. I was just seeing what you thought. <laughs> I think it's all three of those. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think so, I think a lot of it is self-doubt, um, but also I think they're avoiding conflict. Mm-hmm. And I also think they have kind of often have a fixed false belief that their feelings don't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I uh, nines is another one that I'm like, it's kind of hard for me. You probably have a different perspective since you're married to one, but like to think of something hard about being around you because Annie Mooney is one of my favorite people on the planet. And well, there's a reason why I use the expression to Kyle, you're the Annie Mooney of right, men. Because it's just easy to be it's around. It's impossible to not like Annie Mooney. It's impossible not to like Kyle Denny. I defy you to dislike them. Mm-hmm. I laugh <laughs> a lot around both of them. Um, well, and they're and they're easy to be with, mm-hmm, like for sure. They make you feel better about you, yeah. And they bring a calm, me. like they bring right. a calm to yes. a room. Yeah, I mean, and Annie will just say like one sentence that will change your life, mm-hmm. and um, so yeah, I, I think that nines are the sweethearts. Um, I think the road back to you, he's like, they make the best spouses. <laughs> just, well, he's married to a nine. Yeah, that's right. So. Yeah. Um, but what what do you think is hard about being around a nine? Well, I, like I said, I, I I've like I've sort of joked with people like um, Kyle and I don't have a perfect marriage, um, not like you and Kaylin's. Just that's how people would describe this. Yeah, um, but we don't have a perfect marriage. But one of the things that's very lucky for us is we don't have a lot of friction. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason we don't have a lot of friction is because of Kyle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I don't think that's totally true, but yeah, yes, but he really helps with it. Mm-hmm. Like Kyle is so go with the flow. It's just, it's hard to, it's hard to disagree with them because they don't disagree with you. Mm-hmm. Like the, because they really do most of the time. Don't care. Whatever's fine. Well, before we started this, Kyle was sharing a story and I won't go into detail just about, um, some work conflict he was having with a client client, and that the client was kind of railing him. Yeah. And instead of like responding with completely shying away or completely being overly aggressive, Kyle said, well, I don't think that's true, (laughs) which for me would just like completely floor me. And I'd be like, Oh, I'm the worst. So I think it's the best response. Um, but that's a nine. Yes. Yeah, no, right. And so so all that to say, I think there is so much that's easy about nines. Like mm-hmm. I said, to me, nines and sixes are the easiest, but nines are even easier than sixes like, because it's hard. I mean, you have to chase them around to have conflict. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but I think what can be frustrating about a nine is, which is even that it's in itself is not on its face openly a a rub, but is that nines don't always say what they think. Mm. Um, Now, not in the way that a two doesn't always say what they think, but more in a way that like, uh, like we're with a two, it's like they might be hiding their own um, needs. They might be hiding their own, like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, Nines are not trying to, they're, they're not trying to disguise their feelings. I think it's just 
sometimes they don't know their own feelings. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and that's why, you know, we were joking about, like, I've, I've said this with both Annie and Kyle, that, like, sometimes they'll tell me, they'll tell me no, but their no sounds like yes slash maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, to me, is, is, is very difficult. Before I knew the Enneagram, I would just, as a seven, what I was wanting was a yes. Your no kind of sounds like a yes. So I'm going to so, hear what I want to hear. So I'm going to hear what I want to hear and going to blow into this. I'm going to buy those plane tickets. Right. I'm going to buy those plane tickets. And then when you complain about it later, because you really didn't agree with me, you acquiesced. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I'm going to go, look, you got to say yes when you mean mm-hmm. yes. And you got to say no when you mean no. Mm-hmm. You said this, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that's been, that's probably the most difficult thing is that I think it's really hard one, I think they don't want to disappoint. Yeah. Um, but I, th- so they, so they, and they don't want to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. But I think they have a real hard time saying yes or no in a very clear way. Mm-hmm. And so getting their true opinion, p- pinning them down to like, what is your opinion? Say mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, can be hard. And so that in a marriage, like I said, most of the time he's so easygoing, but there's some times where I'm like, Hey, if you want, if you're saying no, say no. Right. You know, let me just, let like, me know. Yes. I can handle the directness. I, I can, just need to know what I it is. I need to know where, like, what are you thinking? Mm-hmm. And so, and I, th- and again, I think a lot of times for Kyle, he doesn't know what he thinks. That's why he is. They can be a little out of touch with themselves. Yes. Because I think they've spent many years minimizing their own their own importance and yes exactly yeah which is why they are tend to be very humble mm-hmm. just so lovely just lovely and that's what we we sort of tease annie because annie it, laura's like annie will say one sentence that changes your life she totally she totally will but she'll sometimes the sentence is usually starts it's prefaced by if this feels true to you, mm-hmm. like, yeah. and then she'll like, say something that's like, of course like, it's going to feel true to me, Annie. <laughs> right. Yeah. Whatever she says, if she prefaces, like, if this feels true, she says it in this way that um, sounds super humble mm-hmm. and like, she is not, she's no, she's no expert on this, mm-hmm. but then she'll say the, this thing that is like, so captain obvious, um, like you need to cross stitch this on a pillow right. and then um, like, build your life around it the Mm -hmm. statement yeah yeah (laughs) no she has said stuff to me that I have used in sessions with clients to this day that she said like two years ago um yes nines are are lovely and humble and and kind and easygoing and it's very easy to be around to you what is the hard thing I, I I think that like this is funny for me of all people to be saying this out loud because you have called me out on this very thing before. Um, sometimes it is hard to get an answer. Like you send a text and 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 don't get a response because there is some level of decisiveness needed to respond. Um, that is funny because I do that. Yes. To you, to people in general. If I don't know, I'm trying to formulate this exact right response. And then what was it? It makes it into the elephant graveyard of my text chains. And, and, and then you experience and then I, micro, microburst of shame. I experience microbursts of shame because I have not responded 
And then you get something like, I'm so sorry, I'm the worst, blah, 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 blah. So I think that can be a little bit hard um, just as a, a friendship, but I don't think that healthy nines always do that. Um, but then, I, you know, I could go on and on about, and I think we have about what's so great about them. Oh, yeah. And and I would say that this is also true, and it's, it kind of lines up with what you're saying, which would be another thing that I think can sometimes be difficult with nines is sometimes they lack some internal motivation. Mm. Um, and so nothing has urgency. And there, I, when I was <laughs> so, first starting, so like they can sit with, right. like, like for me, everything feels urgent. So I'm like, you know, there, there is no sense of urgency. So sometimes things can kind of fall by the wayside with a nine because they, sure. they just don't have that. Right. And I, I relate to that. Um, I, when I was first doing all this, I kind of waffled between two and nine. There's a lot of nine in me that I could see, Mm -hmm. but that whole manipulation piece, I had to land on a two. (laughs) Um, well, and I think, you know, this is a very broad overview of the Enneagram. Right. We didn't Um, even touch on like the wings or or explain that. That's right. Where you go in health health and and, where you go in stress. So there's so much more to it. Um, I don't think you have to become obsessed like some people have, but I think our, our life is about um, continuing to grow and learn and I hope change and to do better and, this is just one tool that can help you do those things. Yeah. And I think we targeted to have this um, episode to be about 30 minutes. And would you say we nailed it? I think we did not nail it. I think we're going to have to make this a two-parter um, <laughs> because we are at about one an hour and 20 minutes at this point. Oh, wow. Okay. So that is very long. So we may have to find a divide in yes, here to make or this too. Y'all just have to listen to it and and um in in um in little in, pockets in, of yeah, your time, po- like kind of a marathon. Um, yeah. So if if you're going on a car trip during COVID nineteen, yes, there you go. Yeah, if you're going on a vacation this summer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, we may do another one down the road, but that that's our gen- generic uh, enneagram, so that when we're when we're referencing it, you have some frame of reference to what we're talking about. Thank you guys so much for joining us again on Embarrassment of Riches.